from Sarasota Memorial and the Deb Kavanaugh Multimedia Studio. This is HealthCast, a healthy dose of information from experts you can trust. Hi, everybody. Welcome to HealthCast. I'm Allison Gottermeyer. Thank you so much for joining us today as we talk about HPV-related mouth and throat cancers. Our guest today is Dr. Peter Vosler, a head and neck cancer and microvascular surgeon with First Physicians Group here in Sarasota. Dr. Vosler, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Dr. Vosler, how common are these HPV-related mouth and throat cancers? Well, fortunately, these are very uncommon cancers. Um, right now, it's about a 1.7% chance for men to have it, or one in 60 men, and a one point or you know, and a 0.7% chance for a woman to have it, or one in 140 women. So it's very uncommon. Has there been any change in that? Have we seen them on the rise at all? We have seen them on the rise over the past uh, two decades, from 1988 to 2004, it increased 225%, and right now we're seeing an annual increase of 5%. How often are people actually exposed to HPV, which could cause these cancers? HPV is very common in our society. Approximately um, you know, 65 to 100% of people are infected with HPV, especially if you've had more than four sexual partners. The chance at that point is um, over 99%. How long after an HPV infection would it take for someone to develop one of these cancers? It usually takes a long time. The, the virus has to, um, one stick into the, the tonsil tissue in the back of the throat, and then it takes some time to transform. And it's usually at least 10 years, but it's probably on the order of 20 to 30 years before uh, people who get the virus have a, a cancer from it. So it's not necessarily because of a recent sexual partner? It's definitely not because of a recent sexual partner. And patients will often ask that, especially if the spouses, will say, what would, did someone go, go outside of the marriage or the, the relationship to, and get this? And so, no, it's probably something that happened when they were in their 20s. Do all oral HPV infections lead to cancer? No, the vast majority of oral HPV infections do not lead to, to cancer. There is one subtype of HPV, HPV 16, which accounts for about 90% of the cancers. And it's usually about 1% of people who have this uh, type of uh, a virus. And would someone know that they had that? No, there are no good screening tools for this, unfortunately, especially because it is such a rare cancer. So what should someone look for? Are there symptoms or, or how would someone know? Well, fortunately, the symptoms are pretty benign. Most people develop a asymptomatic neck mass. So most men develop, uh, figure out, find out that they have a uh, mass when they're shaving and then it just doesn't go away. And so that's usually the initial symptom. Now, if they have let it grow for a little while, then they can have symptoms from the tumor in the back of the throat, either difficulty swallowing, pain with swallowing, or ear pain. So where do most of these HPV-related cancers present in the mouth or throat? They mainly present in the back of the throat, in the tonsils, the base of the tongue, and the soft palate. Who is at greatest risk? So men in their 40s to 60s, usually non-smoker and high socioeconomic status, and people who've had more than four sexual partners. That's not normally who you would think of as at high, highest risk of a certain type of cancer. And especially not head and neck cancer. Most head and neck cancers you associate with smoking and drinking. This is completely the opposite of what we see with uh, the smoking drinking population. Interesting. Um, how is it spread? 
So it is spread through sexual contact, usually oral sex from a, a man on a woman. And that is the HPV itself, not the cancer. The HPV itself. And most of the HPV that's acquired through sexual contact is uh, cleared by the, the immune system. So again, it doesn't uh, create cancer or cause cancer in most people because the body's being able to uh, get rid of the virus. What does a workup look like to determine if, if someone does notice that mass while they're shaving, for example, what does a workup look like to determine if it is in fact cancer? Well, if the mass doesn't go away, sometimes primary care doctors will prescribe antibiotics. If it doesn't go to away within one to two weeks, then you should be seen by a head and neck cancer surgeon. Uh, where I, if you see me, I will do a quick uh, focused um, history of the present illness. I'll do a physical exam looking in the mouth, looking at the tonsils and feeling the base of tongue, a flexible laryngoscopy to visualize the, the back of the tongue. And then you do an, I will do an ultrasound in the clinic and see if there's a mass that can be biopsied. And I can do an ultrasound guided biopsy in the clinic. Now, if, if I can find the primary tumor site, because the tumor is never uh, primarily coming from the neck. It came from somewhere else, and it's usually the back of the throat, like I said, the tonsils, the big base of tongue, or the soft palate. If I can find it in the clinic and it's comfortable enough to be biopsied, then I'll do a biopsy right there and then. If I can't find it or it's not comfortable for the patient to biopsy, then I'll take them to the operating room and do a biopsy. Now, do you know for certain if a cancer that presents in the throat or the neck is in fact HPV related? You don't know 100%, and that's why you need the biopsy. The biopsy is to determine that it is squamous cell carcinoma, which is the type of cancer that HPV causes, and to also do tests to make sure that it's caused by HPV, because that will affect the prognosis, and it'll uh, be a factor in how we treat this. Is this, in fact, a treatable cancer if it's detected? It is a very treatable cancer. About 90 to 95% of patients that have this are successfully treated and have a five-year overall survival rate of 90-95%, so very highly treatable. What does treatment look like for those patients and, and what specialists are involved in that treatment? Right, so the, the treatment involves either uh, surgery or a combination of radiotherapy or radiation therapy and chemotherapy. Now, if it's a small tumor uh, that has only one node involved, then surgery is a good option. However, if it's a larger tumor and there's multiple lymph nodes that are involved, then uh, radiation and chemotherapy are probably preferable. Now, these are some very sensitive areas of our bodies that we use every single day. So how important is it to actually see a, specific, uh, a specialist who, who is familiar with these areas? That's an excellent question. I think it's incredibly important to see somebody that specializes in head and neck cancer care. So you need to have a head and neck cancer surgeon, as well as a radiation oncologist that's uh, familiar with the anatomy and a chemotherapy specialist or medical oncologist. So everybody who has oropharynx cancer should be seen by head and neck surgeon, radiation oncologist, medical oncologist, and speech pathology. And at the Brian D. Jellison Cancer Institute, we have all those specialties and we meet on a, a weekly basis at a multidisciplinary tumor conference to go over all the patients to make sure that we have the appropriate treatment plan for everybody and make sure that we have a consensus among our specialists. And can you talk about how important it is to have something like the Brian D. Jellison Cancer Institute where you have all those specialists meeting regularly, working together with that multidisciplinary approach for cancers like this at a community hospital? 
Well, I think that's incredibly important because it, we create a, a, an environment of collaboration among the specialists. Uh, so we all know what we're, we're thinking. We all know what the best treatment options for the, the, the patient are. We all come to agreement on it. And the patients can see that kind of collaboration. We know that we're working together and knowing they're getting the best possible care. And for many of those patients, not having to leave to go to another cancer center far from their home is so important. Yeah, the convenience is very important for, for patients. People don't want to travel, for, especially for radiation oncology treatments, for six to seven weeks, five days a week. Or if they're recovering from a surgery, they want to be close to home where they can uh, be seen by their loved ones. So I want to circle back to these HPV-related cancers because a question that has often come up that I have heard about is if someone has an HPV-related cancer, is their spouse or partner also going to get it? So it is very unlikely that the spouse or partner will get this type of, of cancer. We know that the people who have this cancer do not transmit the cancer. And it's likely that they acquired the virus decades ago. So then they're no longer infections, infectious. And just because even if they were with their partner or spouse at that time, it doesn't mean their partner who may have had the same HPV did not will get the same cancer, correct? That's that's correct. If it's a, a partner's a, a woman, then um, should undergo regular gynecological exams. And if that's the case, then they've already done proper screening. There's nothing more they need to do. Will the HPV vaccine help prevent these type of cancers? We're optimistic that the HPV vaccine will uh, help prevent these cancers. However, it won't. It will take decades before we see that manifest. Uh, because right now, children are getting uh, vaccinated. Um, people up to age 45 are, are getting vaccinated, but it's probably going to take another 20 or 30 years before we see a decline in the, the overall incidence of this cancer. Are there any other preventative measures to take? Unfortunately, there aren't any other preventative measures. We just have to screen for, well, not even screen, we have to just do physical exams on patients if they have uh, concerning symptoms, like a neck mask, then get them to the appropriate person to do a proper workup. Is there anything else you want the community to know? No, I think that's, that's about it. I think it's really important that anybody with a, a neck mask that doesn't go away within um, a couple of weeks, an adult, um, this is cancer until proven otherwise and need to be seen rather urgently to make sure you get the appropriate workup. And to put patients at ease also, how often do you see people who have concerns and it's not actually cancerous? Well, there. so as a subspecialist, I also often have people that are screened by, prior to seeing me. So a, a lot of my patients will have concerns, but if it's just a regular neck mass, um, it's unlikely to be cancer but still important to get looked at. Yes. Dr. Vosler, thank you so much for joining us today. As always, we encourage everyone in our community to visit smh.com for the latest from Sarasota Memorial. Have a great day.